we'll go over them because I think the best thing that we can do with those things is just kind of keep them happening, right? And the more you pay attention to all that, that before you know it, there it is. That word is just kind of like in your heart and it's in your mind and it's in your life and it's working. It's powerful. It's alive and powerful. It's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing down even to the dividing asunder. I'm just showing off. (laughs) Right? But that's what it is. This word that God has given to us is a living word, a powerful word. It it has life within itself. Jesus says, the flesh profits nothing. My words are spirit, and they are life. So when we're taking time to memorize the word of God, we're doing something wise and beneficial. So here we go, shall we? I think I actually put them out in a, a font that would be big enough for you to see this week. You know, I have to see everybody go like looking at. Here we go, you ready? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Okay, that's the starting point. Then we moved on to a little little previous spot there in the book of Romans. We landed on chapter 5 and went ultimately 1 through 8. So let's go through those passages. Um, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And then on a little further, just to kind of complete that thought in Romans chapter 5. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. And then finally, one more passage from uh, this month. And uh, Jesus speaking to Mary in John chapter 11, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, amen. I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. All right, let's take a moment. Father God, thank you that you have given us this information, this living information that makes us alive, makes us, brings your life into us and gives us new life, eternal life, Zoe life. So we thank you, Lord God, for your, your word that you have made known to us. We thank you for 
imparting it, for inspiring it, Holy Spirit. We, uh, we thank you just for all the work that you've done. But most of all, we thank you that you one day took that word of God and implanted it in our life and saved us by it. So we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you for this opportunity to, uh, to get to know your word better. May we just, may we live it, may we breathe it, may we practice it, and may we preach it wherever we go. Pray this today in Jesus' name and for his sake. And all of God's people said, Amen. all right, good, you may have a seat. All right, now all of this, let me, let me just kind of remind you, and especially for uh, those who are uh, newly becoming a part of what's going on here, um, that what, what's behind all this, we took months, probably from, yeah, just from about like January up till about Easter, a couple of weeks ago, a week ago, um, to, uh, to get into these different passages of Scripture, because I just kind of placed an emphasis on the fact that we ought to be memorizing some Scripture, and I just figured it's my job to kind of work you a little bit. You think? Right? I'm a pastor. I should be like, I gotta, I gotta move these sheep along a little bit, right? We gotta get them, get them doing something, just sitting there kind of, you know, being lazy, soaking it all in. Yeah, so anyway, that's what, we're, that's what we've been doing. But in the midst of all of that, um, it started to, I just started to think about the fact that there's kind of two aspects to spirituality. Certainly one is the Word of God. Knowing the Word of God, you can never, we can, none of us can ever know that well enough. So the more time we spend in, in it, the more it imparts truth and life and, um, and spirituality into us. But then there's, a, there's the other aspect of um, what generates or what sustains or what causes spiritual life. And the other side of that coin is the Holy Spirit. And so I thought, okay, that's what we're going to do then. We, we've been emphasizing the word, but um, we want to emphasize, or I, I want us to, to, at the same time, kind of have it in mind that it is the word and the spirit both. Those, those two aspects of how God works in our life. He takes the word and he plants it into our life, and then the spirit of God begins to use that word, and he begins to bring life and truth out of it and begins to inform and instruct us in the way that we are supposed to be living. So it's kind of a, um, it's, there's two parts to the, uh, to the overall thing. So we're, we're working on this part to, um, to uh, fulfill portion, a portion of that so that we are getting God's word better, you know, locked down in our, in our mind. But then there's also the other aspect, like, okay, let's talk about the Spirit. Now, when we're talking about the Spirit, I thought the first thing that I really wanted to emphasize is this particular aspect, that it's easy to think of the Spirit as kind of a force or something that just brings a dynamic, you know, in some churches, again, in, in my background, where we got saved, Lorraine and I got saved in, a, in like a hyper-Pentecostal church. What that means is very demonstrative, lots of gifts of the Spirit, lots of words of prophecy, and pretty wild. Coming from, I was, I was telling everybody the first service, that coming from my, my background, I grew up as a Catholic kid. And when you grow up as a Catholic kid, you go to church, you just, you say the right thing at the right time, and if you're a sharp Catholic, you say it just a little bit faster than that person like in the next row. Am I right? Recovering Catholics out there? <laughs> I don't mean to insult, I really don't. But I mean, it's, you, you, you just say what is supposed to be said and you just kind of go through the motions, you know it, you've said it all a thousand times, right? So all of a sudden, that's my upbringing and then I, I got away from just church and what have you, you know, at the end, teenage years and, and, and all of that. 
And so when we came back to church, um, we came back to this church, Lorraine had had a friend, and this friend got saved, and like, wow, what a change. And uh, so one day, I don't know how we even wound up there, but here we are in church, and I think I told you, like, I went with my dad one time, and we're, we're sitting on the end, and in the middle of the service, this guy who's sitting next to me um, just jumps up and says, glory! <sighs> Starts running around the church. And this was not uncommon, right? I'm, so I'm still waiting to, for this. Lois, one of these days, you know, could you make this happen, do you suppose? You know, kind of give you a whole new profile in the church. Oh, yeah, that's Lois. She's the one that runs around the church shouting glory. <laughs> I, I don't know if, anyway, this, so this guy, it's like he just takes off, and here's my dad sitting next to me, and he goes. And again, my dad, my, our whole family is Catholic, so this doesn't happen in a Catholic church. Amen? Right? So he sits back down, and my dad says, what happened to him? I said, I don't know, Dad. I guess he got blessed. He said, oh, good. I thought somebody gave him a hot foot. Anyway, you heard the story. All right. But anyway, that was kind of the way, and then we went from getting saved at that kind of church. We got saved in springtime of 78. Um, we got married um, in summer of 78, and by fall of 78, we were off in a wild holiness Pentecostal Bible college. So that was kind of the beginning of the whole thing. And over the years, I really have tried to understand this, because there were some things that I thought were just repetitive and not particularly um, edifying in terms of, some, in some cases those things can just become, they become routine. Like I, in the church where we were, if there wasn't somebody speaking in tongues, if there wasn't somebody giving a prophecy, it's like the Holy Spirit never showed up that day. And I don't know, so I, I just had to, and then especially when we were in the process of getting the church started here, I'm thinking, I, I better like define or get, my, get, a, get a, a proper understanding. And so over the years, um, that's been a, a big part of, uh, of trying to understand how the working of God, how the Holy Spirit works. And, and the, the very first aspect in terms of being able to talk about the Holy Spirit today is this idea of his name. He is the spirit of holiness, and I think that's really important. He's not just the spirit. Because the spirit sounds like something dynamic, something powerful. Who's felt the spirit this morning? You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not discounting or neget, um, negating those aspects. But the spirit of God is not in our life just to make us feel thrills and chills. There's part. There's certain, he brings the joy. He brings the, the love of God has been poured into our heart by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. So we just, you know, we just quoted that from Romans chapter 5. So there is that, the dynamics of all that is there. But there's a, there's, it, there's, a, there's, a more, there's a higher priority to the work of the Holy Spirit. Than, more than just activating some kind of a, a feeling or a sensation or something like that. As a matter of fact, I would say that the more we give attention to this part, the more, there'll be plenty of feelings. Because when we talk about holiness, man, we are talking God's heart. Right? We are really talking God's heart when we speak of holiness. And I don't know, it's probably true um, for many of us here this morning, if not most, if not all, that we feel intimidated by this holiness thing. Right? To think that we are somehow connected with this God who is holy, the term holy just describing the sum totality of all of his myriad perfections. 
On every level, his glory is beyond comprehension. His majesty, his knowledge, his omniscience, like everything about this God that has invited us into friendship with himself and has done so much to make it possible for us to be saved. Um, Everything about this God is incredible. Incredible on every level, and particularly regarding his nature and his character. And this idea of holiness speaks of God's nature and character. And if we really want to grow in the Lord, although it's intimidating, how many feel holy this morning? There you go. Okay, because we, well, first of all, we live in a very unholy world, right? We are surrounded by unholy behavior and language and lifestyles and things all over the place. And then I'll bet you everybody here has a TV and most of the stuff that's coming across that or a computer, it is not holy, right? It may, it may get kind of neutral from time to time, so it's not utterly scandalous and corrupting and, and something that defiles you. But nevertheless, um, this world that we're living and passing through is not a holy world, and we are not, by nature, holy people. Right? As a matter of fact, by nature, we are quite the opposite. By nature, we are sinners. By nature, we are corrupt. And it takes a work of grace. It takes a, a, a major adjustment of God's grace to bring us out of that condition of lostness. And, and one of the things, is just taking it back, just kind of gathering some of the pieces here together. May I? Okay, but just taking it back, thinking last week that we should understand holiness for our spirit as we would understand health for our body. Okay, holiness for our soul and spirit is like health for our body. Health for our body means I I don't eat like terrible things and too much of them, and I try to take care of this vessel here and try to keep it healthy and what have you. Matter of fact, I like, I really like being healthy. I've lost it a few times, seriously lost it a few times, and, and you know, have, have had a number of bouts with cancer and stuff like that. So there are opportunities that come along you make that help us to appreciate the value of good health, right? But holiness is how we get health to the soul. Because everything in this world that is a sinful thing ultimately becomes a defiling thing. It becomes something that corrupts something on the inside, okay? So it, let's, let's, maybe, I, you know, I'm a musician. I like music. I like to listen to music, but some music is corruptive. Some, right, it's just, it, to listen to it is to be defiled by it because it's corrupt. The language is corrupt, the thoughts behind it. And, and every, every believer should be thinking about that because we're surrounded by music and media and entertainment and stuff. And, and so much of it just stirs up defilement in us. And so it, it's not as though you can just run away from the world and you just go hide somewhere on a, a mountaintop or a hilltop. We have to live in this present world. We have to be in the world, but we don't have to be of the world. Right, and that's what Jesus says of the the character of who we are. We are in the world, but we don't have to be of the world because the world itself is just a place that defiles. You know, even when Jesus washes their feet at the at the the Last Supper, he's letting them know. You know, part of just the whole process of passing through this world, it it makes you dirty. And so Jesus is washing their feet. So the the simple truth behind it all is that the the heart, the nature, and character of God is 
is this priority of his holy. He's many things. He's loving, he's kind, he's forgiving, he's merciful, he's just, he's righteous. He's, you know, we can go on and on and on with, with all the various different names and attributes of God. But when we speak of his holiness, we're really touching the heart of God. And that's why it's important that we think about this, although it's a rather intimidating subject. Which is why I asked, how many feel holy this morning? And it, it's not something that we um, sense. Actually, what happens is the more you get close to it, the more you feel defiled. Right? The, yes? In other words, the more, the more we get close to this God who is holy and who is perfect and who is genuinely loving and is merciful and is kind and is faithful and is steadfast and all of this, the more we get close to him, the more you become kind of cognizant of the fact that you ain't that. Right? And so it can be a little intimidating. So it's a subject that doesn't get talked about very often, I think, because first of all, to, to actually even talk about it, again, to, to do what I'm doing this morning, I, I would have to just first do the disclaimer and say, like, listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to preach to you from the mountaintop. Look, uh, here's holiness and how I obtained it. This is a process. As a matter of fact, we'll see a, a verse of Scripture that um, in, in a few moments here where Paul writes and talks, how, talks uh, to the, um, where is it, Corinthians, I guess, where, he, where he's saying to them, um, so come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and I will be your God and you will be my people. Right? And the whole idea that God calls us out of this broken, fallen, lost world and into the reality of his presence. And what he wants for us is the absolutely highest possible form of living. Like what he has. That's really what holiness is. If you could, if you could think of the greatest possible, most beautiful, most perfect lifestyle and attitude and behavior, you put it all together, that would be holy living. And so it's something that um, we should uh, aspire to and something, although, again, the more you do, the more you tend to get kind of convicted about the fact that, see, I'm not as far up this ladder as I thought I quite was or, or ought to be. Anyway, so we've been, uh, we've been talking about, we, we, I've wanted to bring to our attention or just bring some teaching to our attention, attention having to do with the Holy Spirit who he is, but I, uh, I feel like we'd have to start right there, that we have to first prioritize that he is holy. God is holy. Look at, let's look at a couple of verses. This one I think was from, yeah, this is uh, kind of a text for us here this morning. But notice what Paul writes to these people <clears throat> at Corinth. He says, for you are the temple of the living God. Now he's speaking to them, you plural. Okay, he's also speaking in a singular fashion because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is church, not a building and a bunch of seats. The real, the, the, the house of God is right here. This is where God wants to live in our life so that he can just go with us wherever we go and he can be working through us whenever he chooses to. So he says, Paul writes to them, he says, for you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, 
Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting, that's the thought, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. This is just going to be a pursuit from now until we leave planet Earth, that this will be an aspect of how the Holy Spirit will be working in us to draw us into a lifestyle that, is, that can be characterized by this term holy, that we have just rejected those things that are defiled and contaminated and corrupt and all the rest of it that is part of this world, and we're uh, drawing near to the holiness of God. So I said um, it, it kind of works out like this. All word, no spirit, you dry up. All spirit, no word, you blow up. Proper balance of word and spirit, we grow up. And so those two aspects of how God wants to work, I, I, I need to be paying attention to what God has said, reading it, assimilating it, you know, um, refreshing myself with it, you know, so you may be renewed, by, or, or uh, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, which is what we read in Romans chapter two. So, we're gonna place our, um, our time and our, our emphasis for the next little while on this idea of, of how, how can I get closer to, how can I draw nearer to this spirit of holiness? And so we'll, it, it has brought up this topic of holiness, and again, it's one that I just think, in this world that we're living, we can't talk about this enough because our, this world is becoming nakedly, blatantly corrupt. Right? I mean, it's not even trying to hide the corruption anymore. It is unabashed. It is unashamed. It is defiled. It is weird. Things that are, right? Things that are just all, all the time. It seems like some strange thing is happening all the time. And so anyway, in the, in the world in which we are living, God is calling us to recognize that it is a, a lost and broken world. And God is calling us. So if we're, if we're going to give identity to the Spirit, or if we're going to teach about the Holy Spirit, we would start, I would want to start by talking about the holiness of God. He, he sends to us His Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about what is holiness, why is it important, how, how can a human being <clears throat> be holy? Like when I, when I asked that before, how many feel holy, nobody raised their hand, that's very telling. How many are holy? I get one, two, yeah, nervously raise our hand, right? Why are you holy? Do you know what God says? God says you are holy. As a matter of fact, God calls you a saint. A saint. You are a saint. Now again, coming, being a Catholic kid and growing up as a Catholic kid, saints were like, you know, they're like the super heroes of the, of the church world, you know what I mean? So you have all these people along the way that somehow they attain this incredible level of devotion and sanctification and walking with God and influence in, in the world. And so we refer to these people as saints, right? Their whole, the whole process of canon, canonization that is part of Catholicism and all that. But you know something? That's not biblical in any way because every believer is a hagios, you are a hagios, you are a holy one. Why are you a holy one? Are you a holy one because your, your behavior is so refined? Now you are so pious, you've never used a blue word, you know, not since you woke up, 
or not, not since you woke up this morning. Let's put it that way. We, we'll, we'll take it that far, right? But I mean, there's just so many things, you know? I, I, you, you like to think that you're making some progress in this thing, and all of a sudden, like, you slam your finger, or, you know, or somebody cuts you off in the car, or something happens, and it's, it's just amazing how quickly those words just kind of resurrect themselves. There they are again. You know, you would have figured maybe just by misuse, they'd be gone. Uh-uh. Nope. That bad side sticks pretty tight. But the good news is that we have been born again. And if anybody is in Christ, he is a... The old has passed away. Behold, everything has become new. Right? So that old man, that old way, those old habits, those bad habits, they're slowly, they're slowly losing ground. And the, the, the work that God is doing by the Holy Spirit is slowly gaining ground because we're in the process of perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So we, that should be an encouragement that it, this, this will be a process. It will continue to go on. And especially as we see the world getting darker and more corrupt and more wicked and more evil all the time, it just is a motivation that like, yeah, I don't want to be lost with that thing. That thing is going down. It, ha- it has no possibility of ever achieve. That's what the, the, wor- the world is cursed which means it can never come to a fruitful end. But God's people are blessed. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are blessed. And that means the good outcome of your life is guaranteed. Guaranteed. All we have to do is keep our touch going with the Spirit of God and in the process of things, without even being aware of it that much, Good things happen, and, God, and, and, and good fruit is born from our lives. It, it really happens just as we simply say, Lord, here I am. I give myself to you. I give this day to you. I give my thoughts to you. I give my mind to you. I give my future to you. I give my plans to you. I give all my dreams to you. Do you know that's what God wants? I'm kind of getting off on my thing here. I hope my soapbox here this morning. But, but do we understand that that's what God is calling for? That Jesus Christ gave his life, his last drop of his life, to call us into fellowship with himself that we might be able to free ourselves and shed this old, um, broken, wicked nature and be made new, be renewed in the spirit of our mind. Anyway, so we want to, uh, we want to take a look at what holiness means for us. So to begin with, when God made himself known to uh, the first people in the Old Testament to Abraham and certainly much more so to, uh, to Moses when he called Moses up to Mount Sinai, God wanted to make it very clear. He had to make it very clear that um, what his nature was. He wasn't just like the gods of the, of the surrounding nations. He was different. He was holy. He was a holy God. And so it comes up over and over um, again, in the, uh, in, in the first five books of the Bible, let me just take a, a quick, oh, there's just one, uh, there's another verse I gotta bring. One of these things, okay, there we go. Computers, okay. So just to show the importance, again, of, uh, that Jesus places, the, the priority that Jesus places on, on the necessity for us to be filled with, baptized by, under the influence of, under the control of the Holy Spirit, um, the, the I, I know I brought this last week, but it's, um, it, it is the end of the Gospel of Luke and the beginning of 
the book of Acts, and Jesus is laying out a very important stipulation that unless they receive what he is talking about, they're not ready to go yet. And so here's what he said. Behold, I send you the promise of my Father. I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Then in Acts chapter one, that promise is confirmed as we read, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. This is kind of like the last words of the Lord Jesus, okay? But to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you have heard from me, for John truly, ba- which, which he said you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So he is making it essential that they receive this gift. They don't they have no idea what this is even about. They don't even know how this is going to come, what it's going to mean. They're, it is just a statement that Jesus made over them, and so they are just simply responding by saying, okay, I guess we've got to hang out here and wait until whatever's supposed to happen happens. And then it does happen. And the church is filled with the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is poured out on this little tiny group of people. And it energizes and activates them and equips them and develops them. And this little tiny group of people go on over the, well, from that point to turn the world upside down. Because there is that kind of power in the Holy Spirit. And it's what we should be thinking about. Because if I don't, if I have not, if if I have not had an encounter and that's, that's kind of where it's at for me these days. That, you know, again, having grown up in a Pentecostal church, everything was about speaking in tongues. Every, tongues, 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 tongues. And again, I found a lot of things that were part, and this is over years and years of reading and studying and everything, that many things just seemed to kind of fall into patterns and they were just kind of a habit. The way, was the way the, the, uh, the church happened. It was, just, it was, it was kind of a, a given. Um, but, and many times there wasn't, I, I, was, I, was, I was telling the, the, the first crew about this, uh, this, this guy, you know, being a young Catholic kid and coming into this new Pentecostal thing and seeing how kind of different it all is. Um, there was this guy who was a Norwegian guy. He was, probably, he was probably about my age now at that particular time. And you had a hard time understanding this guy if he was speaking English. It's a very, very thick Norwegian accent, and one day he stands up and he just starts speaking something, and I'm going like, wow, that's, that's kind of different. I have no idea what he's talking about. And it turns out that he's speaking in tongues. And so then somebody else from the other side of the room begins to give an interpretation, and that's kind of how the whole process tends to go in terms of, of that kind of an approach to the things of God. And I gotta tell you, I believe in it. I do believe that there is a filling, there is a baptism in the Holy Spirit. I just don't think that I know. I've, I've never felt comfortable telling you what it's going to look like. That's, that, that has been my challenge. In other words, I have never felt comfortable saying, you need to come on up here, pray for a little while, and God's going to bless you, you're going to speak with other tongues. You may very well do that, and I will say that, that whole, this whole process of getting filled with the Spirit of God or being baptized by the Spirit of God or being immersed in the Spirit of God, this whole thing runs on the idea of holiness. In other words, I'm, I'm not just after, I want power, right? I want, I want that power of God, I want miracle-working power. It runs on this idea of holiness. In other words, the more I say, God, I'm yours. I am yours. I'm turning it over. 
I'm leaving the old thing behind and I want to walk your way and I want to live your way and I want to talk your way and I want to be the person that you are calling me to be in this world. That's that holiness essential. I'm giving my life to you just like you gave your life to me. If Jesus could give his life to me, the least I can do is reciprocate. Right? The least I can do is reciprocate. So that's kind of the nature of the whole thing. He gave his life for me. It, I'll tell you, when, when, when I got saved, it was the most obvious thing in the world. Time to bail out of what was and enter into what is and where it's all going. And so it was that kind of thing. But that's what God is calling us to. And that idea, the, the underlying idea, the whole thing is about holiness. It is about Come out from among them and be you separate, says the Lord. Do not touch the unclean thing and I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters because we are being called to, to draw near to God that he himself might draw near to us. Now again, I said that as God had introduced himself to the people of Israel in the Old Testament, this was, this was a fundamental that he was laying down in terms of his own character and nature, right? Holiness in the Old Testament. So here we have some passages. Leviticus 11.45, God said, For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Okay, so he's, he's manifesting himself and disclosing, revealing himself. And a major part of that whole revelation is he, he, they must know that he is a holy God. In Leviticus 19.2, it says, speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Leviticus 20 and 26. You shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. That's the idea. That God, God's whole thing <clears throat> all boils down to one primary function. God is building himself a family. That's why you're here today. <clears throat> because God is building himself a family and you've been invited and you're being called into it and that's the, that, that's the invitation, that's the offer. But to, um, to be part of that family is to enter into that place where God is, into, into the holiness of God. And um, so it's a, it, it's a basic, it's a, fun, it's a fundamental. If we move it to the New Testament, we've got statements like this by the Lord Jesus. You therefore must be perfect as your Father, Heavenly Father is perfect. Intimidating enough for you? Huh? That's a, that's a pretty tall, that's pretty, that's one of those verses you go like, uh -huh. right? Does, does, am, I am I expected to be perfect now? Yeah! For sure! In other words, because if I was, I would be just like Jesus. I'm not there, quite. We're working on it. But if I, if, if that, this is the attitude uh, that I'm trying to cultivate though. That this holiness thing, this is something I want. This is something my soul wants. Something my spirit, this is something that my inward person wants this. My flesh, not interested. Can I get an amen? Right? My flesh is not interested in this priority. Not at all. Okay? As a matter of fact, it will take every opportunity to be as unholy as it possibly can, and so we gotta keep it locked down and force it to obey. Right? You guys, anyway. 
right? So, so the, flesh, the flesh just has to be kept under the control of the spirit. That's the whole point. The spirit comes in and the spirit is the boss. The spirit, before we were saved, we didn't have a spirit. We were just lost people wandering around, orphans, trying to figure out what life is all about, doing whatever seemed to be cool, following whoever seemed to be cool, pursuing whatever seemed to be interesting or important at the time, and usually making one dumb mistake after the next. That's kind of the way life works for us because we're, we're a bad copy of a bad copy of a bad copy of a bad copy of a bad copy. It, we've all been just trying to figure out what, who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be like. But the Spirit comes into our life and the Spirit is the sheriff. Boom. And he, begin, he, he is in the house for the purpose of being able to cultivate, to, to create, to create fruit, to create life, to create insight, to create gifts, to create strength. The Spirit of God comes in, and so he becomes the ruling voice, the dominant voice. He's more, his voice is louder than my emotions. His voice is louder than my intelligence or my mind. His voice is louder than my feelings, right? He, he comes in to be, and, and, and it is his function to rule all those things. Because in the Spirit of God, there is life and peace. The Spirit of God brings life and peace. He brings fruit, and he brings joy, and he brings mercy and self-control and the whole, the whole list of things. So this idea of holiness, like when I, when, you know, in, in just saying that, that does, does the Lord expect me to be perfect? Well, he'd like me to be. And honestly, I'd be a lot better if I was. But I'm, we're getting there. We're being perfected. We're perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That's an important part of this whole discussion too. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I don't know what you think about the idea of the fear of God. That's another one of these topics that just doesn't quite get the attention that it probably needs to get because the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is like the starting point. Okay, and what does it mean to fear God? I, I have said this probably so many times that I'm gonna say it completely different. Should you be afraid of God? You better be. If you're not serving God, if you're not walking with God, you better be afraid of God because it's not gonna be a good outcome when you get to the end of this road. You will find that you rejected the most important thing. Or if we're conti continuing on in wrong living and bad attitudes and sinful ways and all this kind of stuff, you better be afraid of God. What, remember what Jesus says, right? We can dumb this thing down and well, we're not supposed to be afraid of God. We don't have to be afraid of God. The fear of God that means, means that we have healthy respect for God. Yeah, that's all true. That is all true. And I will say that the fear of God is not meant to be the driver ultimately of spiritual life. It's a starting point. That's why it says in, in the book of James, perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. But we start, just like for many years, I was kind of afraid of my father too. Especially if I was being disobedient. Amen? And it, that was a good thing. Right? It was a good thing for me to be concerned that if I was being bad, my dad was going to take the issue up with me at, without um, any fear that he might be overstepping his boundaries. Right? That's, that's what a good father does. Well, now when we come to the, Holy, the, 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 the Father God, this whole thing that starts in a sense of fear and like, I, I don't want to disappoint, I don't want to offend, okay, becomes, I love you, God. I want to do what it is that you want me to do because I have come to the realization that what you want 
is better than what I had in mind. That you have higher standards for me. You have better goals for me. You have a higher purpose for me. You're God. You know everything about me. You know top to bottom. You know everything that I know, everything that, I can, everything that I've learned, everything that I think you know, every ability that I have. you got a much better plan for me than I have for myself. Do you believe that? That is the essence of this, of this whole matter, right? That giving God the controls and say, okay, I am going to simply do my best to try to keep up with you in all of this. So, so now bringing it again to the New Testament, um, we shouldn't minimize, we shouldn't dumb down verses like this. I'm not trying to create a, a scary picture of God. God is a loving God. God is a faithful God. God is a good God, right? Your goodness is running after me. We sang today, I will, you know, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you've been so, so good. I mean, that's where it goes, but it starts with like, I better get my stuff together here because there's a God who will judge me at the end of this life and it's not gonna go too well for me at the moment. That's the starting point. But then as we learn and as we get to know the Lord and as our, the relationship increases, uh, we come to the realization that he is a good God and his will is good. For me, here's a, this, this passage that we just looked at again, New Testament stuff. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, um, I will be their God and they shall be my people. Let's see if we got that. Therefore, good. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you. You shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Move to the book of Hebrews. We read this. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. You see, if, we, if our lives are not holy, people will not see God in us. If there's, if there's no holiness in our life, because again, God, the most basic aspect of his nature is his holiness. So if there isn't that aspect, now let's, let's just acknowledge the fact that this thing can kind of go sideways too. And we can all of a sudden appear, we can, we can be wearing that holiness kind of on our shirt sleeve. And, and, it's, and, and it's not very attractive. It's not very attractive in this world. So like I said last week, I think that the, the depth of the holy lives that we live should be, the gold should be on the inside. In other words, this isn't something that I, I should be like showing everybody how holy I am. I kind of am by nature with standing up here and doing this every Sunday. It, kind of, it certainly says a message, but I know I'm, I, I'm without, without God's help, without what he's done and the ability that he, what, he has, what he's accomplished over the years, I am just as lost a person as there ever was. And it only by continuing by the grace of God. So 
Pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. What else do we have up there? Okay, <clears throat> but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And here's Peter gathering up these uh, passages from Leviticus and, um, and Exodus and Deuteronomy in which God is, he's kind of bringing it and updating it up to, to New Testament standards. And then, he, and then he pulls up the whole picture um, imports the the the, uh, the old pic- the Old Testament picture of the people of Israel, um, and applies it to the church. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of Him who has called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. That's the heart of it, right there. That God is calling us to be His own people. You know why? because he wants to use you. He wants to, he wants to use your life to eternally affect other lives all around you. And, by the, and by, the, by the quality of that relationship as we have d- devoted ourselves to Christ, and then by, the, by his life in us being able to touch and, and impact and affect other people, that's how that's how the whole process got started, and that's how it continues. Just by one life, full of Spirit of God, touching another life, full of the Spirit of God, touching another life, and 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 another. You are meant to be a person of eternal destiny and power. That is for sure, that is absolutely true, and it is really just, sim- uh, uh, it, it is really just a matter of us surrendering to it. Right? It is all about us surrendering to that destiny. Rather than trying to like build my own empire and build my own world, it's like, nope, as I said before, you got more for me than I even imagined, ever imagined for myself. So, what else do we have here? Oh, so, so let me, just, let me, let me, um, present one kind of concluding thought here to this, to this whole topic of holiness, all right? And it is this. If it came down to, the word holy and holiness um, is properly used only of God himself. Only God is holy, right? Because it speaks of the sum totality of all of his beauty and perfection and, and glory and majesty and all of this, right? It isn't something that really applies very much to us as human beings because we're not that. However, there is such a thing as a practical holiness and there is such a thing as a positional holiness. And when you came to Jesus Christ, when you received the saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ, on that, at that very moment, God declared you to be a holy person. You were his, you were a saint. You became a child of God. And, and because of the work that Jesus did, all the garbage has been washed away. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. And that new creature, that new creature, there's holiness there. That new life, there's holiness there. And so that's why it's important to like be tuned into the spirit and not be driven by the flesh. Because the flesh is contaminated. It's broken. It's corrupt. It'll always want to go off on its own stupid way or sinful way or selfish way or whatever it may happen to be 
But this new life that has been birthed in me, that is the holy life that God has given, and that's basically that's the driver of all of this. And then that life affects other lives and other lives and other lives. Do you know we, we could turn this world upside down? We need to do that in our world right now because the world is slowly losing all reality. It is slowly disconnecting from anything that resembles truth and is going off into further and further and further nonsense. Anyway, so that's where we're gonna be, kind of running out of time here this morning, but God is calling us into a, a state of holiness. That work will go forward as we take time to just let the Holy Spirit work in us. But the Holy Spirit will work in us because he will take the word See, it's all connected. It's all connected. So you take some passage of the word and then you let it influence your mind and you let it affect your, influence your heart and let it affect your emotions. And this is the process of spiritual development, spiritual growth. And you and I have the ability to go to climb the ladder as high as we want to. Amen. But it is the path of power. That is, the, that is important for us to keep in mind that this is how I become strong in spirit. This is how one becomes strong in their faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for being in this place here today. Thank you for the work you're doing in every life here today. It's good. It's good, and what you're doing is good, and who you're calling us to be is good, and what you have in mind for us to become is good. It's really good. It's really good, and we thank you for calling us out of a lost world and calling and for imparting a new nature so that both in, it, positionally before you today, we are, in fact, holy and blameless before you in love. That's what your word says. And we thank you that you have given us, imparted to us the gift of holiness and righteousness and that these things are good. They seem like they're religious things. They're not. They're true. They're right. And they're what bring a quality of life to us that is exalted. So we thank you for the work that you're doing in us, Spirit of God. And I just pray that you pour yourself out upon us as a church family, that you fill us with your presence, fill us with your love, fill, fill us with your, your goodness and your mercy. Bring us into a closer walk together with you. Teach us about all of the gifts and all of the abilities that you impart. So we're just waiting upon you, waiting upon you, Spirit of God, fall fresh. Jesus name.